0: awesome i feel like i haven't preached for ages and probably because i haven't and uh nor has anyone for a few weeks so uh so that's okay that's just how we roll but it's it's good to be back i'm going to read from john chapter 15 from the passion translation you can read it in whatever translation you so desire but it says I am a true sprouting vine and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. So this is Jesus speaking of himself as a vine. And it says, The Father cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my heart. I love each one of you with the same love that the Father loves me. That's good news. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commandments, you'll live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Amen. All right, sermon done. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go have a coffee. So good. Um, you know, uh, pondering um, more recently, there's, you, you may have seen um, some stuff online, a video from a, a well-known uh, evangelist Uh, talking about uh, I guess the heart and the healing of the heart and inner healing and those sorts of things and essentially um, uh, his perspective on that is that it's not required um, and we don't need any sort of inner healing Uh, so which uh, is cool Uh, so obviously I disagree with that Um, there were some good points that this person made in the in their message and and I think are always good reminder points for us Uh, but for me, I think one of the, um, as we do a journey with God, God will highlight unrighteousness in your heart. He will highlight the sin in your life Uh, and that can be a really bad thing for you or it can be a really good thing depending on who you acknowledge yourself to be (laughs) and who you acknowledge God to be in that process. So I just wanted to kind of highlight and give some more tools to make sure that as we are journeying with God, that we are rightfully taking responsibility for our heart and our life to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, but also acknowledging who we already are in him. So I believe that there are two vital truths that we must remain connected to in order to survive this journey. Um, as you know, um, I, I often use uh, props and things to demonstrate my sermon illustrations. Not. <laughs> so we've been, it's been almost 10 years as a church and I don't think I've ever done it. So here you go, A new ground for me. Thank you. Encouraged, bit of encouragement. Um, who knows where our... they are? Yeah. Look. Ooh. So this here is heavy. This just came to mind, so I thought, oh well, I'll, I'll do it and I'll run with it, and we'll see how it goes but i believe the two primary things that we need to remain anchored to as followers of jesus is who god is and i could have picked heavy who i am in god so who i am in him and who he is and so i'm just going to tether myself to these things just to be fun and I can already tell him, look at my son, he's like, oh, I want that. Can I have that afterwards, Dad? It's, uh... So incredibly important to always be tied to the reality of who the Father is, who God is, who Jesus is, who Holy Spirit is. Guess what? They are one and the same. As jesus said if you've seen me you've seen the father that jesus was the exact imprint of god's nature that this holy spirit is the spirit of christ he comes to reveal all of those realities so we understand if i talk about you know we talk about our identity in christ and those sorts of things same thing but to acknowledge who the father is you know when we are singing out and declaring this morning that you are good we are declaring an attribute of his nature And my understanding of what the glory is, the glory of God is the manifestation of all of the divine attributes of the nature of God. So, revealing all his divine attributes all of the parts of who he is so that's when the glory of god shows up we might understand it as different things you might understand it in a physical manifestation or in some way but ultimately the glory of the lord filling the earth is all of those attributes of his nature being known and being made known to people that they see him there they are as we are we praying enamored by the reality of this is the, they live in awe and they recognize him as being awesome because they see all of these manifestations of who he is so we can have a manifestation of the glory of god when a whole bunch of people come into an understanding of how good he is and that is as much an outpouring of his glory as a sign and a wonder or you know gold dust or something like that i'm all i'm all for those sorts of cool things as well But ultimately, it's got to lead me to to recognize who He is as the Father. So to understand who He is, but then also to understand who I am in Him. So in Christ, who am I? If this is the Father, and then I've been invited in as a son, as a child of God, and He calls me, He's adopted me into His family, so I am very much the same as what He is. My original created intention and purpose was to live in the fullness of that reality. That was what the lord created in adam and eve that was what they had that fellowship with the lord they lost that jesus restored that in terms of he paid the price for that rebellion and now we are on that process of being restored back into the fullness of who i am but we understand this is the finished work of christ okay it's the finished work god is unchanging who god is doesn't change now, you better believe that who you think God is will change. <laughs> because oftentimes we, you know, we say, well, we're made in the image of God, the Bible says, but often we make God in our image, that we understand him to be a particular way. We, and the hard thing is we might not know what he's like, and someone tells us, hey, God's, God's really good. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know. Awesome. Uh, he's good. I didn't really think about whether He's good or bad. But if you're telling me he's good, the Bible says that, I believe that, I'm going to grasp onto that. But sometimes we actually may have made a judgment against God as being bad or not being a provider or not whatever it might be. And so if we have a judgment in our heart, who knows that we're bound to that judgment, okay? So then we can't see God as He is because I have a judgment against Him. I've already determined Him to be something. There's a scripture that says that all, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, correction, and rebuke. So those three elements are teaching, is me learning something that I don't know, correction is me learning the right thing when I've known the wrong thing and rebuke is when there's that's a full-on it's like actually you've got to stop there you can't go any further unless you change your understanding on this but that's what we do when we read the scriptures we're going through and God's speaking to us and he'll be teaching us new things it's like wow I never I never I never knew that or he'll be correcting us to say you know this is who you thought I was but now you actually can see, actually, this is who I am. And then that rebuke is the thing. And oftentimes, if we have that a judgment in our heart, it's that opportunity to repent, to say, God, I saw you as something that you weren't. I viewed you as something other than what you are. So God is unchanging, but our perspective of him is changing. So part of our journey is actually coming to know him as he truly is. And on the other side, who I am in God is also unchanging. I didn't become who I am in Christ based upon what I have done. I was adopted into a family but I was then adopted into all of that finished work of Jesus. So everything that he accomplished is mine. That's my inheritance. All of the promises of God I've been drawn into. That's what Paul uh, speaks of in in Ephesians 3. You know all of the inheritance is belongs to us, not just to the Jews but also to the Gentiles, which as far as I'm aware we are all. So all of who God is and all of who I am in God is unchanging. Okay? When you are born again, when you become a new creation, that new identity gets formed in you, gets placed in you. Now, I would say that is your spirit gets renewed, gets transformed, you become a new creation in Christ. So all of those attributes of your identity are tied and they are a foundation. They are immovable. They are unchanging. But now, obviously, my understanding of who i am in god is changing so there's part of me where i am i have okay i can acknowledge that's who i am but my heart doesn't believe that my heart's not yielded to that my heart's not in alignment with that reality and that is what we understand the transformation the sanctification the heart journey to be is every part of me coming into alignment with that which already is amen So parts of me are changing and they are to be changed. That's what God is doing in us. He is is transforming us. He is renewing us. He is changing us. We are coming into submission with those things. So it's okay for me to live with this reality that, well, I know who I am in Christ here, but it's not actually working itself out in my life just yet. But that's okay because it doesn't change my right standing with God. It doesn't change His perspective on me. It doesn't change who He is. And it doesn't change who I am ultimately before the Father. But what I desire is to see that manifest. Because I want to experience the finished work of Jesus. I just don't want to know it. Well, it's in my back pocket. I've got it there just in case I need it. So no, I want to live out that reality. I want to know what that kind of intimacy and fellowship with the father looks like as uh, Jesus prayed in John 17. I want to I want to know that oneness because it's saying that you and I are one, that we would be one as, as Jesus and the Father, are one. I want to I want to experience that. I don't just want to know it as a truth that I've got there to kind of make me feel better when I'm stuck, when I'm in bondage, when I'm in lack. I don't I don't, I don't you know what I mean? Sometimes we can kind of live that, say, "Oh, but I've got to tell myself different." These truths are a reality to be experienced. I want to experience how good he is. I want to experience who I am in him. If he's saying, well, I've been made holy and to be holy as he is holy and I've been made righteous, I want to experience that righteousness. I don't want to live in the tension of behaving and believing things which aren't true about who I am and aren't true about who God is. But my life will only remain healthy when I'm aware of these two realities. If I drift too far from my awareness of who God is and who I am in Him, I can lose sight of Him and get consumed with the issues of life, whether good or bad. If I drift too far, now I can be over here and I'm still tethered to this truth and this reality. But if my attention and my focus starts to shift somewhere else and I lose sight of that, it's still true. It's just not true to me. And something else becomes more true to me. And so I've got some, uh, some things here. sin. There you go. Rachel can be sin. She can represent. That's it. So again, I can... um, if this represents part of my heart, and there's some sin in my heart, some unbelief, whatever it might be, but if I come over here and I get too drawn in and my attention gets too focused on this, and I lose sight of that, now it doesn't change. I'm still tethered to that, so I can think oh, I'm just a dirty, filthy, disgusting sinner, and I'm so bad, and just what am I doing? I've done it again, and I'm stumbled, I can never get this right, etc, etc, etc. This doesn't change, but it certainly changes to me. And what it does then in my journey of overcoming sin is I'm, now I'm fighting with this thing to try and overcome this thing rather than recognizing, but this is who God is and this is who I am. And if that's true, then this must be a lie. So what am I believing in my heart that's causing me to make those choices? What am I believing in my heart? What do I understand about my identity in this area of my heart that is causing me to want to engage in those sorts of things? So that's the bad stuff. It can also be, Good stuff. What about my calling? There you go, Rory, you can represent my calling. (laughs) Woo! So the good things of God, yeah. The good things of God. But again, if I come over here and I start to get consumed by this and look, I'm going to be so amazing. God's got this amazing plan for my life and it's just uh, so good. And I'm like, look at how good I am and how great I am. And I lose sight of the fact of who God is and who I am. Then even that can start to shape my identity. Oh, but I'm this person. I'm going to be this and that and whatever. And, And I get consumed by this thing. It could be. Oh, what's this one? Pain. Pain. Now it's got to be in a different area of my heart. So, there you go. Yeah, I'm getting tangled. But you know what I mean? So I can come and I can be, start to get consumed by my pain. My attention gets drawn into this area and I lose sight of who God is in the midst of my pain. I lose sight of who I am in the midst of my pain and my attention gets drawn into that. But now if I can be here and I can sit in the midst of my pain and I can keep my eyes focused on who the Father is and on who I am in Him, it shifts my perspective on pain because I don't lose sight of those things in the midst of that place. And the reality is the Father is as much here as he is over there in my calling and in my destiny. He is present with me and we get to do this journey together. It's not this separated thing or this kind of like, well, I, why do I have pain and what's wrong? And, you know, maybe God's let me down. I'm like, oh, no, I see who you are. And, yet you know, I can live in this place and say and acknowledge that there's actually pain in my heart. It might be your gifts and abilities or in your relationships. That's I don't want to play it out too much but uh, in your relationships we can lose sight of those things <laughs> responsibilities even in your responsibilities we can start to get consumed and we get overwhelmed by how much responsibilities I have and I have all of these tasks to do and yet if I acknowledge but this is who the father is so he is he is powerful, He has all authority, he's, he's given me rest, this is who I am in Him, This Sabbath, it's all of these realities that go, even when it comes to having responsibilities, I'm, I'm not free, I'm not bound by those things, because they don't define me. Amen. In my fears, in an area that I have fear, it's still, I've got to keep my eyes focused on who He is and who I am in Him. All of my beliefs, this again, this is the heart journey of what we're doing on, is we're we're transforming and shaping our beliefs to come into alignment with these things. Because I want to think that I understand every part of who God is and every part of who I am in Him, but it's just not true. And my life shows that. My life manifests that reality. So when I'm tied to God and I acknowledge that and my eyes stay focused on those things, I can bring all of the areas of my life and my heart into agreement with who God is and who I am they become transformed hebrews chapter 2 verse 5 talks about god bringing all things into submission to him it says for is not to angels that god subjected the world to come of which we are speaking it has been testified somewhere what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him You made him for a little while lower than the angels, that's Jesus. You have crowned him with glory and honour, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. So we don't see that yet in us and in the world. So we can say, hey, there's an acknowledgement of who God is. Well, He is King, Creator, Jesus is Lord, He has all authority. And yet not everything in the world is submitted to that authority. And in the same way, not everything in my heart is submitted to that authority. But we see him for a little while who was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it is fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, is bringing many sons to glory and they should make him the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering so he again is bringing all sons to glory now as i've said many times when you read sonship is the same as the bride of christ so if you are a man you're a son if you're a daughter you're a son and if you're a man you're the bride if you're a girl you're the bride okay get over it (laughs) um or get on it you know like just yeah It's, it's just how it is because there are there are there's meaning in In the bride and there's meaning in this phrase of sonship of what it meant culturally to them and it's got to do with um, identity and inheritance and those sorts of things so all of these things in my life and in my heart when I understand and I'm learning who God is and who I am and I'm keeping my attention of focus them, I can journey into those areas of my life unashamed and unafraid of what might be found there Whatever God reveals in your heart, He's always seen. You know, sometimes you have this thing, like, I can't believe that was in there. And God's like, I can, because I've always known it to be. God's never shocked by us, you know. When we confess our sin to Him, it's not to inform Him of something that He's not aware of. Oh, thanks for letting me know. I didn't even realize I was, I was busy on last Tuesday, and when all of that went down, I didn't, didn't even, yeah, see, whew, so good that you're onto it, informing me of those things. So as I said before, we've got to... Uh, continue to experience this as a reality again even as we're worshiping we're not just speaking our stuff we can get kind of caught into that place of like we're singing words and we look at the screen and we're like, uh, uh, yeah the words are oh, they good words and yes I, I want to believe that how do I experience that though and I love when Moses was in the cleft of the rock and he said to the Lord show me your glory and what does the what does the Lord say he says I won't show you my glory but I'll let my goodness pass before you and I used to hear that, oh yes, yeah, that's cool. And I was like, what does it look like to physically see the goodness of God? But we understand, oh, this is not just a, an attribute of his character. This is, when he manifests himself, it's like goodness. How do you see goodness go before you? I can see. I could see, I could understand, oh, I'll let my fire pass before you, or I'll let my cloud pass before you. It's like, no, I'm going to let, let an attribute of my nature pass before you. So even in that, as we're singing out, it's like, give me an experience. I want to tangibly taste and see and experience that goodness. But that's the point. That is the point of the glory of God. We don't want the glory to come just so it's like, oh, look at this thing and there's gemstones or we just had a good feeling or people fell down. It's like, no, you've got to, that's a substance to consume, to consume you so that you become part of that reality and it becomes a reality in you. Second Corinthians three eighteen says, "And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit." So it says, "And we all, with unveiled face." So what's the veil do? It's a it's a covering, and I would consider it to be a covering. It's an intimacy covering. So when the bride walks down the aisle and she's got the veil over her face there's somewhat of a barrier okay but then at the end when covenant is declared i now pronounce you husband and wife you may kiss the bride the veil gets lifted in that place so it's an invitation for intimacy and that's when the first kiss happens in that place what amazing imagery to think about when it comes to the Lord but he says but we all with unveiled face so nothing hiding you nothing blocking your intimacy beholding the Lord so seeing him before you are being transformed transfigured it's the same word in the Greek as when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he gets transfigured and the and, the, and he starts to shine and the glory comes It's the same word. So you are being transfigured like Jesus was in that same way into the same image of what you are beholding. So the veil has been lifted from your hearts. And it talks about that earlier of of when, you know, Paul says when the Jews read the scriptures and they, they read it with a veil, they don't see it for what it is. You know, when the veil was torn, what was opened up in the temple, the place, the Holy of Holies, the most intimate place, with God and it wasn't just that the spirit could come out but it's that you could come into that place so we all with an unveiled face get to intimately behold the Lord and in so doing I literally get transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the to another degree of glory that's what's happening to you but unless you're looking at it you're not going to see it And unless you're allowing in that looking for it to challenge what you already believe you're not going to be transformed you know sometimes i just want god to affirm every good bit about me and i want to ensure you that he does but for me i'm like more than that i want him to burn up every part that's not i want him to challenge me i don't want to live in denial i don't want to live in deception I want to constantly be living in a state of repentance. You know, sometimes we start to view repentance, we can view it as a negative thing. Oh, I've got to repent again. just He's convicting me of my sin. It's like, that's the most joyous reality in the world. Number one, that you can repent. That it's not too late. That he gives you the opportunity. That he loves you enough to present to you. See this? This isn't right for you or for me or for us. There is no punishment, which can be, I I feel sometimes is detrimental to us changing because we live under this performance reality. We get punishment. We get, well, I don't want to do that. I better pay my taxes because they will come after me. (laughs) You know, like they're, they're going to find me. So I better do the right thing because I'm afraid of the punishment. I better not speed because the police will pull me over. Yeah, I better not do this thing because I understand there's a consequence to it. The, the reality is the, the consequence of not yielding areas of your heart to the Lord is not that you will get punished, but that you'll miss out on the blessing. It's like you miss out. The Lord's not going, it's like if if you, you can choose to walk that way, you have absolute freedom to sin your head off to live in denial and deception, just to avoid any form of hard work whatsoever. But what you miss out on is me and the inheritance that I have for you and discovering who you are. So understanding as we are doing this journey, as we are entering into these different areas of our life and our heart, we are doing it as a partnership in the process. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure." It's Philippians 2 12. so God's saying and we can take that first bit work out your salvation with fear and trembling so I've got to work really hard and get everything right and do all that sort of stuff and I'm got to be you know freaking out about it it's like oh no, but understand the significance it's about working it out and recognizing how significant it is because God is at work God's showing up to work today So you've got an opportunity for partnership so recognize that the lord is at work in you and is too willing to work for his good anger for his good disappointment well work out your salvation because god's going to be disappointed with you if you don't no it's his good pleasure so again oh it's just you know more sin revealed in my heart the lord's delighted he's delighted when your sin gets exposed He's delighted when your denial comes out he's delighted when you realize i've been a complete jerk he's delighted He's like yeah oh come on like this is your breakthrough time like i'm i'm in you with this i'm not like pushing you back now i'm oh, like i can't believe you did that the lord's like no, no i'm revealing it so we can deal with it that's what he does and he delights in. He's like, you know, you don't understand who I am and who you are in me. So you don't need to be fearful of that. No, confess your sin one to another. So I can come in and heal you. Not so I can expose you and put you on display and mock you and torture you. Because guess what? That already happened to my son. Which is why you get to stand in this place. He took, all of, he took the beating. He took the shame. He took the cost of your sin, so you don't have to. It's about agreement. It's about alignment, yielding, and submitting all of who we are to Him. So as we venture and we do this heart journey, it's it's not about missing the fact. Oh, but I'm 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 a, I'm a saint and I've already been made whole. It's like yeah, you have, but it's not working itself out in your life. So yield that to that reality. This doesn't change. It doesn't change. But your manifestation of that will change. That's the point. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. You would have heard this before. It says Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Or, or it could be translated, you know, any wicked way in me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. There's a testing reality that we need to invite the Lord into. Why does He say, search me and know my heart? Well, so that all of those areas can be brought into alignment with His everlasting way. So we open ourselves up, but that's the invitation of God. We need to give Him an invitation to say, come and search my heart, Lord because I'm I'm not aware of anything but I know that you probably are so come and search me and reveal me so that you can lead me in the way everlasting you know Jesus I've got to read this because otherwise I'll who God is and who Jesus knew himself to be were challenged by the enemy in the wilderness so you know when Jesus was tempted straight after his baptism the spirit like a dove comes and descends on him the father says this is who this is my son with whom i am well pleased again as i've said before jesus hadn't done anything ministry wise so he wasn't saying oh this is my son who he didn't say that at the cross he said that at his baptism when he had done none of the things in a ministry kind of context of what god had for him so that's identity is declared not based upon performance okay i know we're learning that we're working ourselves out of that reality And it's hard, but we're getting there. But I want you to know that Jesus' knowledge of the Father wasn't formed in the wilderness. It was formed in the temple. And it was revealed in the wilderness. So when he's 12 years old, he goes to the temple and he gets dedicated there. Then his parents leave. Obviously, it's a big group of people, you assume. that wasn't just like his parents and Jesus like, did we have a son? I think we had a son. Where's that son Jesus like? Uh, you know so they lose him they're like literally leave and then they go where's Jesus and they find him back in the temple and his response is I must be about my father's business but what he was learning at, at at 12 years of age he was learning who his father was he was being formed in his identity it talks in in Luke about that he grew in you know favor and stature and wisdom with God and with man he was being formed in that place but it was in the temple in that place of as we would understand, intimacy and connection. So it's in the quiet place, in the secret place with the Lord. That's where He's forming me, so that when I find myself in that place of temptation in the wilderness, what gets exposed is who I know Him to be, and I don't get drawn into the things that the enemy might say, either about Him or about me, because I've known Him in the secret place. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, the devil didn't say, oh, come with me, Jesus, I want to tempt you. This says the Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Holy moly. <laughs> like, is God going to do that? There's a proving that happens and needs to happen so that we can know that I am becoming all of these things, all of these realities. It's okay to be tested by God. Because it's only in that testing that's going to be revealed. Actually, actually, maybe, I'm, maybe I do want to turn that loaf of bread into, you know, like maybe I'm, I'm being drawn into these things and then it gets exposed and revealed Then I can go back to that place and learn who he is and learn who I am. So my question is, are you spending enough time in the temple so that you can survive the challenge of the wilderness? I need a yes or no. Quick, tell me. No, 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 no. no rhetorical no it's one for later so we understand that as we're working these things out in our lives that we want to um we want to know what God has for us and I was pondering this week just in different things that I was reading but you know we often think about you know what's the will of God for my life and I think we often interpret the will of God to be the plan of God so we use that language what we mean is what is the plan of God but i say i just want to i just need to know what is the will of god for my life but i i wonder i i don't believe that god's will is his plan those things are different you know the bible says i know the plans i have for you plans to prosper you all that sort of stuff so god's plan for you is good but if you look at his will and discovering his will because you desire to know what to do you've kind of missed the point of discovering his will or yielding to his will okay so in the same way that we understand if my soul is made up my mind my will and my emotions well what is my will it's my it's that place of desire it's what it's my i would call it my active intent so if i will something to happen if i will to throw this cap hey well done it was left-handed by the way just come on um you know so i willed it and i put it into action Okay, so we understand, now that wasn't necessarily my plan coming into this morning to throw the bottle cap, but my will was exercised and I did something. So in the same way, the Father has a will, He has a desire, He has an active intent that's saying, this is is the outcome that I desire, but it's different to the plan, it's about His heart. So in the same way, our will is about what's my internal set of desires. Now, whether or not sometimes I'll action it, sometimes I won't action my will. Yeah, sometimes I will to hurt somebody and I don't action my will. That n- never happens, but, you know, um, you know but, or some, I, might, I, might, I might have a desire in my heart to, to sin. I might have a desire in my heart to disconnect. I might have a desire in my heart to do a lot of things, but I'll choose not to do those things. So again, I'll, I'll take control of my will. I'll have exercise self-control and choose righteousness. So our role in our relationship with the Father is to submit our will to His will. So it's submitting my desires to His desires. Now the outcome of that will that be that He fulfills His plan. But again, that we go to God like, God, just give me some jobs to do. What's, what's your will for my life? Oh, it's to be awesome? I'll go, I'll go and be awesome. It's like, no, no, God's, God's will... like when you submit to God's will you lose your will and when you submit your will to his will your you lose your plan then you become part of his plan but you understand it's not it's not about figuring out what to do it's about being fully submitted and yielding to all of his desires and so then the outcome really becomes secondary because it's like I will become whatever he desires me to be because I'm fully submitted and yielded to him Jesus said I only do what I see the father doing well that's because but his will was submitted to the father's so even then when he's in temptation in the garden of Gethsemane what does he say but not my will be done but yours not not my heart's desires because my heart's desires is a don't be crucified it's top of most people's list in life. It's, you know, if I can avoid anything for me personally, probably be a crucifixion would be up there. Um, you know what I mean? Like, but 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 not my will, not my desires, not my heart, but yours. Because I'm sorry. In that moment, he was submitting himself fully to the Father. But when we do that, when we submit our will to Him, we allow the anomalies in our will to be eradicated by His Spirit. We allow the anomalies in our heart to be transformed and eradicated by Him because we are yielding every part of ourselves to Him. Not just saying, well, I'll, I guess I won't do what I wanted to do and, okay, what do you want me to do? Okay, I guess I'll go do that because that's the right thing to do. I don't want to live by right and wrong in my journey with Jesus. I want to live by righteous and unrighteous because there's a big difference for, for When we don't understand who God is and who I am, then I want to figure out, okay, what's right and what's wrong? Tell me that, because if I do what's right, I'll get a pat on the back, and if I do what's wrong, I'll get punished. That's an orphan-hearted reality. But when I become a son or a daughter, then I start to base myself on what's righteous, Lord? What is the righteous thing to do? And I want righteousness to manifest in my life. I want to pursue and seek after righteousness. Not just like, okay, I've got to know what is right and what is wrong and do the right thing and perform well for God. No, I want to become that which he has made me to be. As I've said many times, Jesus didn't ask, what would Jesus do? He just did because that's who he was. And that's his same desire for you and I, is that we would do that which is in alignment to him because I'm fully submitted to him. I'm fully yielded to every part of his desire, everything that he wants, every way that he is, everything that he has made me to be, I'm, I'm, that's me. So I can't be anything else. I want to I live a life and get to a place where I don't sin anymore because God doesn't sin and I've become so like him. That's... That's why when when Jesus returns and you live in that place, in the new heaven and new earth with Him, that's why sin won't be there anymore because you'll be completely transformed into His likeness. And there's no intent in His heart to sin. So it's not about trying to figure out what God wants you to do. The will of God for your life is to submit your will to His. Romans 12.2 it says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect so we're not testing his plan so i'm gonna say okay tell me the will of god and then i need to test it to make sure that god's plan is good and acceptable and perfect we are being tested in order that we might discern what hasn't been transformed into his good and acceptable and perfect intent so i test this reality i test my heart against his heart and when there's an anomaly then i yield that part to him but that's the testing That's the process that i'm working on i'm not saying okay give me a plan hmm i just got to discern whether your plan god is good and acceptable and perfect let me just give me some time well of course it is like why would you need to do that but that's how i've often read that scripture and it kind of hasn't really made sense to me but when it comes to yielding my will being transformed in my mind so that i can discern what is the will of god that it's actually about me being changed and transformed into that reality my will his will same thing and god's will is not internal external but internal because his spirit dwells in us and is united in oneness with our spirit so we know it's not even far i'm not going out there to try and figure things out i'm not even searching the scriptures just going tell me what to do no it's it's, change me into who you are and then i'll live out that place that's what we want we don't want to be this thing of like coming and checking in with god am i doing good god because we're being changed into his likeness we're being transfigured into the same image of him from one degree of glory to another that's why we do heart ministry that's why we focus on the heart because that's where transformation happens that's why we have prayer ministers which again aren't like they're not experts on the heart yeah they're not like doctors or something like that done all this years of study they're just people who have yielded themselves to be able to hear the holy spirit and help other people to hear the holy spirit so again i keep using this language a prayer ministry session is simply a facilitated encounter with jesus where you get to a place where you go I've, I've prayed, I've talked to the Lord, I've spent time, I've, I've, I've fasted, I've done these things and I'm just stuck. I don't know how to move from where I am to, to where I need to be. Can you help me to have an encounter with Jesus so he can tell me what needs to be done? He can reveal to me and he's supposed to because I'm, I'm doing it on my own and I'm not getting anywhere. Do you need prayer ministry? No. Do you need a facilitated encounter with Jesus? Probably. But I mean, like Jesus could encounter every area. But the problem is, if I have a perspective on who God is, that needs to be challenged. And oftentimes, it's not until I get into a place and I'm sitting with the Holy Spirit, a memory comes up, God reveals something, and I realize, oh yeah, this is what I believe about God. And someone says, hey, that's a lie. That's not who God is. Now, you've formed an opinion of who God is based upon experience in life. And it's, and it's fair enough that you would form that experience because that life encounter was, was real. But you've actually formed a perspective on who God is that's not actually true, but is absolutely true to you. Every lie that you believe right now is a truth to you. Which is a thing that really sucks about lies. We believe them to be true. Oh, no, no, this is, this is how it is. It's like, and then, but you need someone to say, actually, that's, that's not how it is. And then for the Holy Spirit to reveal, and this is why you believe that it is that way. And now you get an opportunity to repent for believing that I'm not who I say that I am. Amen? All right, so this is one of the issues sometimes when we avoid the heart is we can fall into this place of denial. I'm almost done. So denial is when we only face who God says we are without facing that which isn't fully yielded to him. So, what happens is I just avoid all of these areas. I avoid responsibility because that will, you know, challenge my beliefs. I just avoid thinking about those things. I just, I'm not fearful. I just, because, you know, He hasn't given me a spirit of fear. I'm just going to declare that. I'm crapping myself, but I'm just declaring. I'm not scared. I'm shaking, but I'm not scared. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm quoting and I'm doing all of these things. Now, again, declaring what God says is a good thing. And we should live by that. We should absolutely be declaring because we're speaking that over our own heart. We're declaring that over the atmosphere. We're prophesying. There's a we need to prophesy. We need to speak. Our what God is speaking, but if I live um, denying my reality of what's actually going on inside of me, that's not helpful for me because then there's no opportunity to yield that part of my heart to Him. I actually to shut down my heart and just go, Oh no, but He says I'm I'm righteous, so I know I'm stuck in sin. But, oh, but He says I'm righteous, so I'm just going to believe and declare. It's like you no know, deal with why you're there. It's okay, but, but the, again, if you recognize this is true, this is real, God's not afraid of my sin, God's not afraid of my fears, God's not afraid of my wrong beliefs, and I can go into that place and I can sit with him and, and we can just talk about it. I mean, and he can reveal, and he can say, no son, you're not. That's, that's not who I am. Oh no son, you don't need those things, and no son, you're, you're fearful about something that's not true. And we can do that engagement and wrestle with him. It's of no benefit to be blinded to the things in our heart. I don't know what I truly believe about who God is and who I am in Him until those things are challenged. So if I say, I'm just going to ignore that in my heart, I'm just going to ignore the cry, I'm going to ignore the pain, I'm going to ignore the broken relationships, I'm going to ignore my track record, I'm going to ignore all of the people who keep telling me the same thing about myself, but no, they just don't know who I am. So, but they're experiencing you. <laughs> That's the problem. Say, no I'm not I'm not rude everybody tells me I am but I know I'm a child of God and I'm just like no well, maybe you're a child of God who's also rude <laughs> and people are trying to help you to do that because they care enough about you to point out to you that you've that you're behaving in a way you're manifesting something that actually isn't your identity and that's what the Lord's doing he keeps he's going to manifest that which is in my heart which doesn't align with who I am and who he's made me to be so it's like there's a there's a disconnect here but it's not going to be manifest, this reality of who I am in God is not going to be manifest in my life until my heart comes into submission to that reality. Until I get healed in my brokenness, until I come into right understanding, all of the the multitude of ways that that happens. But God cares because He wants His glory to come to be released. He He wants His after sons and daughters that are going from glory to glory. And that is how the kingdom expands is when we reveal the Father to the world. And yet how often when the church reveals or tries to reveal the father to the world they don't receive the father they receive judgment or condemnation or just this kind of disconnected weird hyper spiritual thing or this hardcore you just got to follow the rules it's nothing about relationship with the father and yet that's what we have but then we've got to be manifesting that reality it's not just truth. We can all get a print off of all the scriptures that says, this is who I am in Christ. But unless it's part of who I am, it has little benefit. So as I read before from 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we are going from glory to glory. It's a progressive reality. That we are we're moving from one place to the next. So you haven't been fully glorified yet. Because if the glory is manifestation, then to go from glory to glory is to go from a continuing outward manifestation of the divine attributes of God. So when someone says, man, you are so kind, and you go, oh, you should have seen me three years ago, three weeks ago, you know, like I was just so, so, I used to be crazy selfish and all this sort of stuff. And then God revealed not only, hey, that's not who you are, son, but then he showed me in my heart why I was behaving in that way. And it was from this time and I'd made this joke and he, and he showed me then what I need to do to just repent of that sin. Come out of agreement with that lie. So he just revealed and exposed. And now I've come into this place and I don't even think to be unkind anymore. I'm just a different person. Not because I'm trying every day to be more kind. Now sometimes to work out our healing, we need to be disciplined in areas, but it's like, no, I'm, I'm just literally not that person anymore. There's so many areas in my life where I I used to have anxiety about things. that I didn't realize I had anxiety because I was really good at managing it um, at the cost of myself and other people. But then I realized and and I I didn't even acknowledge the anxiety until I got healed from certain areas. And then I come back and go, I used to be like crazy anxiety. I used to be worried about what maybe what people would think about me or I'd be worried about, uh, you know, something going to be taken from me and all of this sort of stuff. I used to be super selfish. But I didn't realize it was because I was bound in anxiety because I was believing lies about who God is and who I am and how the world is going to treat me. You get healed from that and all of a sudden you're walking around just free and at peace and at rest and you're like, wow, because I'm no longer that person because He's healed my heart and He's brought me into alignment. But it's not because every day... Don't be selfish today don't be selfish today don't be selfish today don't be selfish today don't be selfish don't be selfish you want some water I'm just I'm not selfish you can have it have it all take my thing You want my iPad here I'm not selfish you know like I'm not I'm not working against myself oh what a painful way to live but so many times Christians live in that way where they're warring against themselves and it is exhausting and what the outcome often is is I either become so crazy hardcore performance oriented that I shut down my heart I don't reveal anything to anybody except for the the beautiful veneer or I go into the place of rebellion to say stuff this all this is just way too hard. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I keep failing and I just keep getting judged and I keep stumbling and it's just I can't do this anymore. You've done yeah, where where are you, God, in my time of need? It's like, well, died on the cross, you know, like, where were you? <laughs> yeah. That's it. In your mother's womb, all safer safe and sound. (laughs) Knowing who the father is and knowing who I am as a son or daughter is the basis of sonship. Sonship allows me to be fully loved and accepted even in my brokenness. The external doesn't define me, but awareness of it will help to refine me. so awareness of my brokenness doesn't define me but the awareness of it will help to refine me so i keep my eyes on this and i'm like and he's he's refining every area of my heart that's not there yet but i keep my eyes focused on this not living in denial so i go well this is who i am this is who i'm being something needs to change and i would hope that it's not that people do that sometimes They'll warp and twist scriptures to to match their lifestyle of sin. It doesn't help you. I can live in brokenness and pain and struggle with sin and yet be fully aware of who God is and who I am. But if I lose sight of either one of those, I'm in trouble. If I lose sight of the unredeemed parts of who I am, I can end up in denial. But if I lose sight of who He is, I will end up in deception that manifestation will start to shape me and i'll get to the place i'm oh this is obviously who i am often hearts are uncomfortable in an environment of process and progression because their identity is tied to their performance this is what happens i've got to, i'm performing and i keep failing so therefore i haven't reached the mark but the reality is jesus reached the mark for you so you don't have to perform for god But yet he's working with you to work out this salvation reality in your life if we have an orphan heart our sense of safety and identity can be tied to completion and then so being in process is dangerous and unstable it's sometimes what we call cognitive dissonance where what i think or believe doesn't match up with my experience we can read in the bible god heals i pray for someone they don't get healed i can say well then the bible must be wrong or there's just a distance between those two realities. So what you're experiencing and what his desire and intent and plan and ability is, there's a, there's a distance between those two things. So I get to live in the tension of that. And it's uncomfortable that he says, well, I am, I've been made perfect in Christ and yet I'm behaving in really unperfect ways. Well, I don't need to resolve that. Oh, well, there, oh I just mustn't be perfect then. I mustn't be made perfect in Christ. He must have t- the finished work must have been for everybody apart from me. He just missed me. I wasn't on the list. No, it's absolutely that. And yet the distance between those things is what, that's the divide that he's bringing together. And he's changing that to meet up with this. In every area. Orphans perform for their acceptance, but sons receive their acceptance based upon the performance of God. The reality is everything that you do, every era of progression and growth, every moment of sanctification every manifestation of glory is all God it's all him it's all by his grace and what I mean by his grace by his empowering presence in your life it's all the power of Holy Spirit so the funny thing is we we can never pay God back for what he's done because every good thing that you do is empowered by him so it's actually drawing on the bank account you're actually getting more and more in debt to God the more and more you're transformed into His likeness, the more amazing things you do for Him. Sorry, I just got a big bank account. Sonship gives us stability in the process of being outwardly shaped to conform to our inward reality and identity. So that's what I know. If I, if I can't even venture into those areas, I know because that's going to take my attention off this and I'm going to get swayed by that so I you know I can sit in that place And I can look at it with the Father and say, God, what is going on here? Why am I feeling these? Why am I desiring these things? Why am I consumed? Why have I fallen in that same way? Why is even my my gifts and, and, and calling starting to, you know, form ego and pride in my heart? Come into that place, Lord. Show me what's going on. Otherwise, it'll taint the destiny that God has for you. But again, if you take his plan, you say, give me a plan, God. I'm going to make you um, a famous writer. I think, oh, okay, cool. I've got to start writing books. Start writing books, writing books, writing books. You know, start doing it. It's like, no, no. But I didn't say to go and do that. Your, your purpose is just to so submit to my will. Submit your desires to my desires. And I'll, I'll make your path straight. I'll, I'll lead you to that place. I mean, for us as a community, that's kind of what we're trying to do here. It's like, we are just submitted to your will, Father. Not to you. we're, not, we're not constantly asking Him for His plan. We're saying, what's your heart? Yield us to that reality. Because we know that you are far better at accomplishing your desires than we are. But again, we get so caught up. Now we need a strategy. We need a five-year plan. We need all these things. We don't have a five-year plan. Sometimes we don't have a five-minute plan, you know. <laughs> but it's not because we're not being diligent and we're not being good stewards of things. It's like, no, we just do not want to get in the way of what the Father's doing. And I can tell you, standing here today on this property was not our plan. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't in the five-year plan. It wasn't in the 50-year plan in my mind. It's like <laughs> way, way beyond. But what have we done? Continue to stay yielded stay yielded stay yielded worship for a long time i know stay yielded you know preach hard sermons sometimes stay yielded don't do a whole lot of things that make people feel happy i know because we're just staying yielded like don't don't make us likable <laughs> not that we're unlikable hopefully but you know what i mean like it's just that's that's the mentality we can get into in the church is that we've, got to, we've just got to create this environment that keeps people happy because if they're happy, then they'll stay around. And if they stay around, then we're successful because we've drawn a crowd of people and that's what it looks like to be a successful church is to have more people. No, Jesus came to call sons and daughters. And you know what? Sometimes in all of the happiness and placated attitudes that people walk in they actually miss the calling to sonship they miss seeing the father they miss truly knowing who they are because they weren't willing to go through the fire but when you're in the fire with jesus though you don't get burned <laughs> that which isn't yours gets burnt <laughs> all the other stuff burns up be like Woof, so glad that stuff got burnt up the gold remains but we can do that journey with him so some practical things for us to to focus in on and this is one for me like i'm not a i'm not a secret place kind of person you know i like doing stuff and so for me it's 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 unlearning my natural ways but i want to be someone who i want to be someone who you've got to drag away from the secret place like that's my heart's desire and I know I'm not there yet but I'm, I'm, I'm submitting myself to him in that way but unless we're spending time with him and soaking ourselves in who he is we don't get that beholding experience. It's like I'm running off out there not looking back at who he is and I'm like I'm just not seeing you God. It's like because I'm I'm here coming to this place you know maybe you're you maybe you're someone who and and this has been something it's been an interesting journey as we've establishing the kind of daily prayer um thing here and and again that's not to say oh that's the place that you must come and pray it's a place to learn what it is to journey in the secret place but the hope is that that would be your daily reality that you live in is in that place of prayer the the in and out lifestyle um Totally forgot my train of thought. Yep, doesn't matter. It's probably the most significant revelation of the whole sermon, but that's all right. Now no, um, we have to be putting ourselves before him. That's what I was going to talk about the the prayer room thing. And so I'm, I'm, I can leave this now. Um, I didn't realise it was still on me. Um, it's a good thing. Uh, anyway, I won't make an analogy out of that. Um, coming into a place and it's like cool we're here to pray and then you spend the whole time worshiping like where's the prayer come on like where's the prayer anyone have that experience you're like I thought we we're coming to pray we we'll just worship for an hour <laughs> and it is it it challenges some of our historical traditional perspectives on what even prayer is. but we just we just loved on God for an hour like it's, but you know but we need don't we need to action some things and what I'm learning is man you have actioned so much more by loving on God than anything that you could pray out like who do you think you are (laughs) who do you think you are that your prayer is more powerful than his hand wow how powerful Pride for we i was like i've set apart an hour for you lord and i'm here to decree and declare all the breakthrough across the region and the nation just give me the words lord and i'll pray it out and heaven will come down it's gonna love on you for now what's that going to accomplish i believe a whole lot more it'll shape you you will go from glory to glory because you'll behold his face and he will send angels to to flight because they're the ones who are doing the ministry they're his ministers there is flames of fire yeah this don't take responsibility for the angel's work but that's what i'm learning and it's having i'm having to shift and it's challenging my heart because i'm like but do should we should we Pray and, and sometimes it does. I'm not saying every time. You know, we do, we do our Tuesday morning star prayer. Sometimes it is, and we'll come into intercession, but a lot of times it's just loving on him and creating a, a space and changing my heart to be like, that's who I'm made to be. It's just to be a lover of God. It's literally the greatest commandment, to love him and to go, and I trust, Lord, that you will, you will take care of everything when I love you. So we need to spend time with him we need to let him and particularly in that place let him affirm who you are you've got to let the father speak those things over you give you pictures words say this is who you are son you're like yeah so then when i carry that out and i go oh i'm i'm doing this thing that's not who i am that's not my identity but i thank you father you're not just in the secret place but you are with me everywhere that i go so when i stumble when i fall when i'm thinking these things when i'm getting offended when i'm in it's feeling like judgment whatever come in Lord search me God and know my heart just reveal what is that wicked way in me Lord so I don't want to live that way anymore because that's not who I am but I only know who you are and who I am because I've spent time with you and then that's what we do then as we're doing that journey we get to deal with the orphan hardness that's there every area that's not yielded to sonship is that all right all right, I'm going to pray for you. If you would desire, will not you stand with me? Yeah. If you feel too, if you want me to pray for you, just put your hand on your heart. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for who you are, Lord for everything that you are, Lord. And God, we acknowledge that we don't see you as you are. Because if we did, we'd be face down and wouldn't get up. (laughs) But Lord, we want to see you as you are. We want to know you as you are, Lord. And as we see you, Father, and as we are transformed, like it's literally in that place, it's not even knowing two things, it's knowing one thing, Lord. It's not knowing who you are, and then I also need to figure out who I am. It's when I know who you are, that's when I get changed to be more like you so you form my identity when I see you God because you say son as you see me you're seeing yourself this is who I'm making you to be Jesus was the firstborn of many sons so we thank you father for the firstborn of creation in your son Jesus. But Lord, that you are calling us into oneness with him, that you are transforming us, transfiguring us from one degree of glory to another, which isn't just that outward working, it's that we are being formed into your likeness, Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that you love us so much that you desire to shape every part of us and to bring it into a yieldedness to the reality of who you have made us to be. But Father, we just pray, God, with every... Um, amount of our own will that we can exercise we put our hearts before you God and we just say Lord just that there would be a grace even this week for us to keep our heart presented towards you and just to stay in that place to say search me oh God know my heart reveal any wickedness any brokenness any fear any pain so that you could heal, transform, and then lead me into your everlasting way, God. I'm just so thankful, Lord. We don't need to fear the invasion of your presence, <laughs> God. You want to invade our privacy, <laughs> so to say. Come on in, Lord. We unlock the door. We open the windows come and invade God and we do pray father just for manifestations of joy as we live in that place God that we'd be so excited when you convict us of our sin because you're like what a good father what kind of a good father would convict me of where I'm behaving that's not in alignment with my identity because in every conviction Lord is an affirmation of our identity Lord in every area of revealing god in every area of the burn and the fire of your presence god is the exposing of that which is true that we're loved and accepted by you and you delight to to work with us in working out our salvation it's a joy for you lord And we pray, Father, even as sometimes, Lord, that people can get in the heart journey, they can get drawn into kind of navel-gazing, Lord, looking inside at that which is wrong. But Father, it's only as we behold you that we are transformed, Lord. It's only as our eyes stay fixed on you, God. But we need to then set apart that time to say, I'm just going to focus my eyes on you, Lord. You don't want me to pray so that your work can get done. You want me to pray because it's a requirement for my transformation that I see you as you are. And then I'm transformed into that likeness, Lord. So, Father, I pray that even in our prayer life, you'll help us to shut up and listen and hear and see who you are and what you are doing. And we're to say, yes, Lord, I submit my will to your will. I submit my heart to yours, God. And I thank you that as a loving father to a son and a daughter that you love, you'll change me, God. You'll transform me, Lord. And your glory will manifest through me, Lord, without any effort, God. Even like the disciples and they'd walk past and they, the shadow would, would discover someone and they'd get healed, Lord. Wow, that's the glory, God. That's people so enamored and changed and transformed by you they don't even have to think about those things and it happens, Lord. But we thank you that you call us your children, that you've adopted us into your family, that we have a divine inheritance and you're a good God who loves us with an unending love. And we just want to rejoice in that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Bless you, sons and daughters of Jesus. You may depart from my presence. (laughs) No, no. You're welcome to leave. Um, But uh, please stick around. Uh, Tea and coffee and food up in the dining hall. Yeah. Yeah. Bless you guys, love you, see you soon.